welcome everybody to the nineteenth party podcast. The Paul Hardcast. I told you I'm going to keep going till we hit fifty. He keeps complaining at me that am I going to keep going? It's the nineteenth. It's the twentieth. It's the twenty-first. So it's myself, Kevin Clark, Ian Hart, of course. And uh, this week, I'm really pleased to say we're joined by uh, Bob Booker, ex-Brentford and Sheffield United player, as well as being... Legend. For, legend, sorry. Read your notes properly. That was, a, that was a misprint. That was a misprint there. Look at that. And of course, former assistant manager, caretaker manager to like some Mickey Adams, Mark McGee at Brighton. But you were saying... It's about six or seven different managers at Brighton that you've... Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, I was sort of, yeah, it's well, Stevie Coppel, Russell Slade, Martin Inchwood, Mickey Adams twice, Mark McGee and Peter Taylor. So quite a, a different spectrum of, of different managers and, you know, I had to sort of adjust and work my way around the way they wanted to work. You know, some of them I socialised with, some, some of them I didn't, but... You know, I ended up having good working relationships with them and probably having to prove myself sort of five or six times, yeah, yeah. which was which was a bit bit of a task in its own, but thoroughly enjoyed it. And what was your highlights, would you say? If you're looking, not the playing yeah. side for a side, just looking at the management side, if you were picking out the moment which was your real high. By the book, Kev. This might be a little nugget for the book. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? no. <laughs> oh, there were some great moments, you know. I mean, obviously my first promotion with Mickey was special because... Having been a youth team manager at Brentford and coming down as assistant manager, that was a massive step up for me. So to get promotion the first time was very, very rewarding. You know, it's the next best thing to be in a player and get promoted. And I was, I, I had promotion with Sheffield United twice and with Brentford once. But as a coach and a manager, that's the next step up. So to do that with Mickey the first time was fantastic. And then to get back to back with Peter Taylor... But uh, I'm going to take a lot of credit for that because the team was up and running and Mickey cleared off to Leicester and left me on me. Yeah. So. so that was nice. But uh, yeah, so them two back-to-back promotions as, as an assistant manager was, was massive for me. And I think that the time with Russell Slade, you know, that running when we stayed up, yeah, that yeah. was massive. You know, I was gutted to go down with Stevie Coppel because he'd done such a great job and probably we'd just run out of time and run out of games. So there was a whole mixture of different emotions as an assistant manager uh, in what my would you career. say? One thing for me, it, currently, there's a lot of talk about style of football, in, like in the Premier League. When you look at, you know, like Pep Guardiola and the, the beautiful game, and then people look at Marino, and it's like, you know, almost like anti-football in a way. People mm. call it out, but it's a results machine. When you look at all those managers that you've worked with, just sort of, I guess, the benefit of people listening. Who would you say was more at the uh, the footballing on the deck style versus the Route One? get it into the channels and, well, you know... I don't think the football was that different for all the managers, really. They've all got, you know, at the end of the day, this thing about coaching, that coaching's pretty bolt standard down the line. But as managers go, they just tweak it a little bit in their own way, little sessions, things like that. For me, a lot of it is the man management. That's massive now, especially with these big managers. They've got coaches to do all the sessions. They don't go out there doing all the coaching. They stand on the side, but it's the way they manage the, manage the players individually and as a team. You know, can they put them into a shape... And if you can put a team into a shape and do what you want them to do, whether it's a long ball, like we did at Sheffield United, it worked. It was successful. Teams hated playing against us because it was relentless. But even if you're a passing manager, long as you, long as the players believe in you, what you're trying to set up as a manager and you put them into a shape and you get organised and they do this and do that, that's a recipe for success. If they don't come on board and don't do what you want to do as a coach or manager, you're onto a hiding to nothing. 
And the so best, who would you say last one for me? Sorry, Artie, I'm getting quite no, into sorry. this now. That's good. Uh, <laughs> best player you've worked in terms of like ability. Who would you say is the best player you've worked with, coaching wise? Coaching wise, I mean, Bobby's more was great to coach because he was hungry and you know he, he wanted to stay afterwards and do extra training. You know, on the flip side of that, Leon Knight was talking about earlier. He was a nightmare to manage because he wasn't interested in doing the team ethic stuff. But get him on a one-to-one basis, and the story is in my book, I think. Yeah. <laughs> get, get him onto one one basis and just doing finishing, he was phenomenal and should have gone on to bigger and better yeah. things. So Bobby, Bobby's a more players like, you know, Gary Hart were great to, to work with because they was hungry. Kerry Mayo, them homegrown players, or that squad we had then, you know, the likes of Oatway and, and Carpenter and Cullip and that, they was, they was a pleasure to work with because they would run for a brick wall for you. So that was really... You know, you had to be on board with them, but they they could be quite hard to manage because you know. But they was they was a pleasure to work with. So I work with a lot of players, a lot of difficult players, but a lot of great players. So there's a real good mixture of of, of ability to to coach like you know. Is it true that you were going to jack it all in at one point to become a window cleaner or run a window cleaning business? <laughs> I was that close. I was that really? close before I went to Sheffield United. I was. I was. Uh, my contract was running out. You've read the book, haven't you? I haven't <laughs> read the book. <laughs> I mean, on the subject of the book, who are the Bob Booker story written by Greville Waterman? What with obviously Bob, got Henry Winter on the front, mate. Not that's bad, like, you know, well. saying you know that that's the first one and a forward. By Bradley Walsh, yeah. who I believe is a mate of yours. He's a good friend of mine. Doctor Bradley. Who's new assistant. Yeah, we uh, we grew up together, Bradley and I. And I was at Brentford, and I took him to Brentford to have a trial. And he was a decent footballer, but he wasn't as good as me. <laughs> and uh, I ended up turning pro. And I told Walsh, "You need to go. You need to be a comedian because football's okay." But and he's he's just gone on to massive things. So yeah, uh, I asked him to do the forward, which he came forward and did brilliantly. And it's it's a it's a really good forward. He's a he's a very funny man and. The thing about Walsh is he hasn't changed. He's still a very down-to-earth man, even though he's probably a very, very wealthy man. And yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's still grounded. You know, He still comes back to Bedman where he used to live or, or Garston and goes down the pub and, and does yeah. all them sort of things. So, yeah, yeah a bit like Vinny, really. just sort of yeah. stayed very, very grounded. Which is I nice mean, you sort of book, and I'm, I'm actually going on holiday on Thursday, so this is going to be my holiday book. And, I mean, when you, when you sit down, Bob, you, you've obviously got... Waltz and all. Hmm. Um, there's obviously things I, don't, I know. For example, Ricky Hatton. They had to pulp the original draft of his book because he he said something about Frank Warren and and it got through and it got printed and then Warren picked it up and they had to with uh, draw it all. You've obviously seen various things hmm. in your long uh, career. Did you have to sit with Greville and actually say, well, actually, I probably can't say that because. Not, not that we can't make it stand up in court. Yeah, or, you have to yeah. be careful because it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna get looked through, and it has to go to the lawyers to make sure. You know, I'm not really sort of a confrontational person where I'm going to go around slaughtering people. But there's a, there's bits and pieces of that. You know, first and foremost, I was quite humble that someone wanted to write a book about me being yeah. a, a lower league journeyman or whatever. And and when I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, in Greville. and the publisher said, listen, this could be a good read because you started from non-league, you went into pro football. You played at a club for over 10 years. You got a testimony, which won't happen very much these days. You went on to a bigger club when you was about to become a window cleaner business. Yeah. Uh, you captained the team into the old first division. Then you come back to Brentford and then you're out the game and then you get into coaching and then you're assistant manager. So it, it, it sort of looked like it was going to be a real good read. And I thought, yeah, perhaps people will want to do that. But this book's a little bit different, I think, because it's not your bulk standard 
autobiography that someone in the Premiership could yeah. write after two years. I've won so many games. I've yeah. won so many cups. It's about what it was like not to have the money to put in your petrol tank or pay your mortgage yeah. or, you know, what's it like to have depression? You know, yeah. what's it like to lose your marriage over over football? It's, it's all in there. So, yes, there's a little bit of football, but even if you're not a Brentford or a Sheffield United or a Brighton fan, I've had a lot of friends that have read the book and said, that's unbelievable. And it's credit to Greville because the way he's written it, you know, we used to meet up once a week or once a fortnight and I would speak into a dictaphone for four or five hours, sometimes in tears, yeah. sometimes laughter. I had a lot of breakdowns doing it. It was hard work, but we got it out there, and Greville did all the hard work in putting it into book form. Well, I'm looking forward to my holiday even more now, so that's good. Twelve ninety nine on Amazon, oh, or nine ninety nine oh, on the Kindle. <laughs> Just uh, be careful what you say about Harty. We'll get a super injunction out of <laughs> you. <laughs> right, so what we've seen in the Premiership this weekend then, Kev? Exactly. Well, well, I think, you know, reflect on the weekend. I, I was quite... Interested teams like you know Bournemouth, Brighton, Burnley, Huddersfield, all I was going to say scraping one nil wins, you know, tight tight games. But these are sides we've spoken about before, Bob. Actually, on on the podcast here about do we think they've got enough to stay up? Because they're really I know it's like what we 10, 11 games in, you know, mm. we're getting into that point of a third, you know, quarter third of the way of the season. Um, what's your take on that, Jens? Do you think those four are going to just go from strength to strength? I mean, Bournemouth out of the bottom three now for the yeah, first I time. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would hope so. I mean, we both went to uh, Swansea. I, I, I couldn't really... Um, I thought it was a strange atmosphere at Swansea. They are a club in turmoil, aren't they? They're a club in crisis. No doubt. Um, I, I, was, I was listening to the BBC Wales phoning on, on the way home and... Paul Clement, who's got, you know, lots of people have got a lot of respect for him. I think he would have played with his dad, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. You know, and obviously you, you say in your book about various setbacks where Paul Clement had the ultimate setback with, with his dad yeah. taking his own life. Absolutely, and, um, yeah, difficult time. You know, very, very diff- uh, difficult time for him. But uh, he came on about 10, 10 to 6, and the next 20 minutes, the phone callers to BBC Wales were absolutely slaughtering him. Um, you know, if if and then one, well, the one right on the back of the interview said, if that's what he thinks at this time, he needs to go tonight. Mm. Wow, that was re- wow. it. Was really, I mean, I, coming from a, a phoning background, it was really kicking stuff. They, they had a good presenter. They had um, Nathan Blake doing the the sort of the yeah. sort of Johnny Byrne roles, so and Nathan Blake sort of. You know, obviously, been been around the uh, block a bit, and um, Big Sheffield United player, yeah, yeah. and so you know, and, and that that was. So I think Swansea, I I think they're in, they're in serious trouble. I'm not sure we we've touched on Billich has obviously gone uh, today, yeah, and they're going for David Moyes, so we believe. I'm amazed at that. I don't know how you guys feel, but David well, Moyes. We're, we're going to talk about we're, we're managers, going managers going on, yeah. later, but that's incredible. But Billich, I don't know he's, he's gone now, but. He he almost looked like a man when he was being interviewed after that Liverpool game. That was just saying, "Just just sack me now." He, he just didn't. You could, there do you was think no he'd been told? To do, carry but on. do you think he'd been? T- I mean, do do managers get told that, Bob? Do you oh, do, well, do, do you get told at half past twelve if you don't win today, you're out? Yeah, has happened, didn't it? You know, you you know sometimes listen. They might pull you in and say, "Listen, we're going to give you three games and give you an ultimatum." That's that's the way. That's the nature of the business. It's you know, it's geared up on results, but. Uh, yeah, you're right. He did look. I think his body language, even the last couple of games, even when we played when we played over there and gave him a right good hiding, you could probably see like he's sort of saying, "Look, I'm I'm going to keep going." The manager just keep saying it. 
I'm going to keep getting on with my job until I'm told different. Yeah. So they know it's coming, but how soon after the next game? Obviously, it's taking its toll today. And I mean, you, going back, but and, and we will touch on on this later on. Uh, you know about managers, and, and you mentioned about your wind, your window cleaning around, and various. You know, not, not having enough money to put in your tank in your in your petrol tank. We've almost moved up to a different level now, haven't we? Where Billich. They don't actually have to work, do they? Because they are financially... He'll, he'll, he'll walk away yeah. financially secure now. Yeah. Um, I did see on his Wikipedia page that he did get divorced in 2007, so that might have cost him a few quid. <laughs> but, um, but it's just... It, it is, it, well, it's the same it, with all these guys, yeah, isn't it, it's really? A different, it's, you know, when, you're up that, when you're working up in that premiership, whether you're a player or a manager, if you do it right, you know, what profession do you get the sack and get a job a week later? Well, if you don't get a job, if you're in the Premiership, you go straight on Sky Sports and do punditry. Yeah. Next thing you know, so their faces are straight out there, aren't they? You know, especially in the Premiership. And as we're going to talk a little bit later about yeah. managers yeah. that aren't so well up there. Yeah, dropping. But up. I mean, I remember Mark Lawrenson saying about punditry um, when he he was at Peterborough, and he and he was at Oxford as well, wasn't he, as a manager? And he said that when he left management and he went on to Match of the day, and he said, the difference is, when I leave BBC Television Centre, there's not a demonstration going on outside wanting me sacked. He said, and that's the, the difference. Give it time. I, I, <laughs> I can say what I want, and then I just get in my car and drive away. Well, that's it. You know, when you're in, when you're in pro football, it, even at my level, at assistant manager, you know, it is your life. It's 24-7, you know, and I'm lucky enough to still work down at the football club now, but if the team doesn't win, yes... I'm sort of disappointed because, you know, it's good to me, the club, so you want them to win. And I work down there doing media and hospitality work. But I can now go away and shut the door and have a social life with my wife and not have to worry about the result too much. Mm. Whereas if, you know, we used to lose on a Saturday, my wife would know that I'm not going out Saturday night. It's in my head. Are we coming in Sunday? Are we going to train the lads? Are we going to watch the DVD? And, and you, you, and you, can't you always put it get that. I mean, when there were some bad results, and for, for the great times that we had, we had that terrible run in two thousand and two, two um, when when Hinch was there. Yeah, it was and, tough and, times, yeah. And we lost all, all those games. Did you ever go out on a Saturday night and get accosted? Or uh, I would never go out. That's for sure. I'm really? Not, oh. What? Once I, we'd lost, I wouldn't, that want was seen, it. I wouldn't want to be seen in a restaurant. The only time I did that when we got beat was Mark McGee's first game. Yeah. And uh, we got we got. Done four, I think, at home to Bristol City, uh, and only met him the day before and done the press conference. And he he said, "We're going out. We're going out of town for a beer." I said, "We can't do that, Gaffer." He said, "We're going out for a beer." If I say we're going out for a beer, we're going out for a beer, and got seen and everything by a few of the fans and everything. And uh, come the next morning for training, and John Keeley come in and said, "Oh, you two had a good night out last night, then, did you?" And the Gaffer said, "Yeah, yeah, we had a good night. Yeah, what's wrong?" He said, "Well, all my mates saw you. Said you was having a right good time, you know, and you just got beat." He said, you tell your mates wait till we've won a game, then they'll see us drunk. Well, <laughs> so, but it's not the thing I sort of went, I no, was happy no, no, doing. No, that's a fair no. point, though, and, and I, I can see his rationale there, you know, mm. that, that he's gone out and said win, lose or draw. Didn't want to hide. Yeah. No. no, it's good. But so, as, a, as a player, I would never have done that after no. a game, especially in Sheffield, you, you'd get absolutely slaughtered if you were seen yeah. out having a beer, supposedly enjoying yourself and you've just been beaten. And not done the Because Cooman was out, wasn't he? I saw, I, I can't remember which presenter was on Talk Sports, I couldn't believe it. This one, Cooman was sitting in a job at Everton, mm. and it was right in the middle of this run of defeat after defeat, and he was, uh, he was 
out of the town, out of the restaurant, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's so, nothing wrong with that. If it's done in the right way, you yeah. know, you know, I might have gone out and had a quiet meal somewhere, but I wouldn't be good. In, I wouldn't be good company because we just got beaten. It'd be on my mind, so yeah. I, might well, I might as well sit indoors and drown me sorrows at home. I can, I can remember this going back in. 91, 92, when we went down, a very young John Robinson, who, who later went on to play international football, um, did a big thing in the Argus long before social media. Um, when the, the results and the performances, it was actually more the performances than the results. You can win a few, you can lose a few, but the results. And Robinson was only about 19 and actually went on the back of the Argus and said, well, it's all right for you, look, you know, the ones that don't live here. I've got to go out mm. on a Saturday night and a Sunday lunchtime and mix with people that I've grown up with when when the performance is yeah, like that. Yeah. And I thought it's quite brave. And, it, cause... and it's all moved on now, isn't it? You know, mm. social media, you know, a professional footballer now. He's a highly tuned athlete. He's paid vast amounts of money. He's, you know, he's looked after. He's, he's, he's put up in the best hotels. He's watered and fed. He's he's a he's a commodity to the club, so he's yeah. got a set of he's got a set of role model, and he's got a, he's got to do it right. Yes, we go back to the old days. Yeah, we go out and have a few beers, which we did. We worked hard, we played hard. But as you get bigger and bigger, and everything's out there now, you've you've got to conduct yourself in a slightly different way. I think no more Frank Worthington, Robin Fridays, or, or um, Rodney Marshes. Then they, no, nothing like that. They're all gone. They've all gone. Them days. They're all yeah, gone. characters. So to the I guess the topics today were. Yeah. Um, we're touching on part of it here really we're going to look at managers and almost like the forgotten men of management who suddenly seem to become unemployable we talked about managers on the management merry-go-round before always seem to get a job regardless of performance but there are some that seem to fall by the wayside so we're going to touch upon that we're also going to look at foreign ownership of clubs and the impact that has and I guess the recent announcements about Arsenal and Everton and, and Usmanov's role in all of that, we're going we're gonna to touch upon that as well and then wrap up as usual. It's allegations rather than announcements. Because <laughs> I'm sure Usmanov was there. I mean, but the, this is the other thing. That for, for Panorama to put something out at six o'clock on a Sunday night, mm. the BBC must be fairly clear-cut what they're doing. Don't you think? With they the, would. With, they wouldn't. They yeah. wouldn't know it's right. They wouldn't yeah. put it that, out. Uh, that, they wouldn't put that. No. Put that out. But we'll we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. We'll we'll talk about the managers first. But that's that that could have serious um, connotations for the for the whole of football really, and 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 the, mm. basically the football at the highest level. But we'll go on to the managers. Obviously, Bob, you, you mentioned that you've been an assistant manager at Brighton seven times. You were a very successful caretaker manager. I, I think you were undefeated, weren't you? Or, uh, no, I got beat away at Brentford, which was one of my other clubs. But my but first, that's the yeah, first time that was you fir- were yeah. undefeated, weren't you? But, yeah. um, but so you've got Mickey Adams, Peter Taylor, Mark McGee, all people that you've worked with, hmm. with some success as well. Of obviously a championship win with Mickey, a championship win with Peter Taylor, playoff win with Mark McGee. Hmm. None of them in work at the moment. You know, basically football people, not old men. You know, coming up 60, all of them aren't. I think Peter Taylor might be a little bit older than that. Yeah. But, but Mark is what in his early 60s. Mickey's just turned 60. Um, do they almost become the f- forgotten men? I wouldn't want to say unemployable, but they're not... It's not it's like that management merry-go-round that Kev's spoken about. Mm. It's They're not on the list. Yeah. They're not on the list. They're not up there with the big boys, are they? So, you know, unless you're, unless you're sitting at home as one of their managers... 
the phone ain't going to go unless you pick it up and do something about it or you want to get back into it or if you've still got an agent does he push you towards a job no matter what level it's at you know the likes yeah. of Mickey now is has sort of not had a job for a while but he's working with the premiership now you know I haven't spoke to him seen him soon when we're coming down to do the, the, the Amex thing but it might be well, hang on a minute I'm not in the game at the moment but I'm enjoying myself because when you're in football you're in a bubble and it's yeah. you're just going with it and it's, it's, it's your blood you know, having been out the game for two or three years now, I probably wouldn't go back into it now, even if I got a phone call. Really? Because that was my question. Yeah. Because are some of these managers where we think they're sort of off the list? Is it that they've they've just they might not they've get enough. back you into know, it? They've got a sixty. Yeah. They've done what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and maybe they don't want to. And what I'm quite intrigued in as well. It's a bit like they used to say it was harder to get out of Sven Goran Eriksson's England squad than it was to get in it. And, and is there a bit of that with this management merry-go-round? You wonder, like, what have you got to do to get off the list? Mm. And we mentioned David Moyes earlier. I mean, he's, mm. doing, he's doing his best to get off the list after Man United. And was it, was it Sociedad in Spain? Yeah, yeah and then Sunderland. Well? Yeah. Then Sunderland. He and didn't yet get here sacked he at Sunderland, did he? He just left by mutual consent. Yeah. But then here he is being... I mean, that West that is a big job at West Ham, a big job. I'm you amazed. think he's going to keep him up, though, don't you, Bob? Well, I think, look, looking at it, yes, he has. That's what I said earlier, you know, you, you get a sack from one job and the next minute you, you have on Sky Sports or you get another job, which is quite bizarre in, in that profession. But David Moyes, his, his record of not getting beat, he's good at setting teams up. And, and so West Ham would probably looked at that and thought, yeah, he's, he's got them results, he's hard to beat. And that's what West Ham need at the moment, whether it's still the end of the season. They need not to get beat and not get beat very quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be in, in free fall. But again, is it just that, you know, we go with these chairmen picking these managers it's and the merry-go-round? It's a fans appointment, is it? If you're looking at ones no. to inspire the fans and get the fans on side, mm. that, that is yeah. not an appointment I mean, to look, do that, Using it? that rationale then, Bob, what, were, were you surprised Palace went for Hodson? I was actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I was. You know, being the ex-England manager, that, I think it was a great signing because I, I, I think he's a good coach. And he's got Ray Lewington with him, and they're a good. They're a good team, uh, but it's all about results, isn't it? You know, I think they're slowly improving. Palace, they're slowly improving, but it's got to, it's got to happen sooner or later because uh, you know then, then things start to tumble away. I mean, Kev, you, uh, you and I are both fans. So, I mean, when when the Palace appointment comes, do you think the majority of Palace fans do they think about the Iceland game, or do they think about getting Fulham into the Europa League final? Mm. Well, that's a, well, uh, what that's a good point. Well, yeah. people like them West Ham fans yeah. now, they're looking at David Moore. He's got a sack from Sunderland, sack from Spain, sack from Everton. No, no, sack from United. Sack from United. United. That's what they're looking at. How can he keep West Ham up? He can't do anything at them clubs. That's what they'd be thinking as fans. Yeah. And I'd probably be thinking that as well. But yeah. the board, are they thinking about his, his actual credentials? He's, he's been at the top end of his career as a manager, you know, at that level. What what are they looking at? The fan, I mean, the fans aren't always wrong, are they? No, you, you I can don't see where they're coming. I can, I mean, I look you can at see where they're coming from. Roy, Roy Hodgson. I, I mean, I would be thinking more Iceland than, than Fulham, to be honest. And part of that maybe is you question, um, and, and this might it might be wrong, but you question maybe ambition at a certain age and energy and drive. Do you think, like, Roy Hodgson, not being funny, he's, he's, been, he's been there and done it, isn't he? He's had international management, he's managed abroad, he's, he's managed got, in this he's country. Done he's done, he's done incredible. Like, the mm. Fulham story is amazing, isn't it? You wrote yeah. the yeah. file and all that sort of stuff. So you sort of, I suppose, as, a, as a, if I was a Palace fan, I'll be questioning 
have I got someone there with the energy, the drive, and the hunger to mm. still? Does this Palace really matter that much to but him at this stage of his keep career? Them in that division, because we, you know, someone said it as we were driving back from Swansea um, on Saturday night, and that they actually said it at Sunday football yesterday. We're glad we went up last year because that championship this year, I mean, you, you went to see Sheffield United Saturday. Mm. It's about eight or nine teams mm. that are in that mix. Yeah. Mm. Well, look at it teams is, like Fulham now. Fulham yeah. had a flying finish last year, didn't they? Yeah. Most people's favourites in the playoffs yeah. to come up. Now look at them. You know, because it's, it's getting, it all changes, yeah. isn't it? Year so, to no, year. It's, it's, so, Again, I still go back to no matter who in the job. You know, them West Ham players now. David Moyes' first training session tomorrow... He's got to make an impression. They've got to buy into him. Whether they know him, whether they've played for him before another club, or he's on that training pitch, whether a coach is taking a session, or when he speaks, they've got to, they've got to take on I'd love to be a then, fly on the wall for but those what, players. But then, because you've got a different... You've, 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 you've got a changing culture at um, uh, West Ham now. You haven't got the Essex Massive with, with a few foreign imports. Mm. You've basically got the United Nations... And a very highly paid United Nations there. Mm. Not having a predominantly English-based dressing room, is that going to be a factor, Bob? That's going to be hard as well, I think. Really hard. I'm sure Lanzini can't wait for David Moyes mm. to arrive. You know, a creative... Pro- I, I don't know. I, I don't... I, I really don't see... I look at... You talk about... If you flipped it the other way, like a, a visionary appointment... Someone, Brendan Rodgers has just done this, the record in the 63 games or whatever yeah. at Celtic. What more could it, oh, he can win more Premier Leagues at Celtic. Of course, that's going to happen. Most people could do that at Celtic at the moment. But there you've got someone who you could bring into that club. And I think the fans, would, there, there is someone with ambition, who's young, who, you know, you know he wants to manage a top six club again. Mm. And you would say, you know, that's going to excite the fans, isn't it? And that's going to get them, you know, Get, get them going. So, so take your Liverpool hat off then. Put, put a, put <laughs> a Claret and... <laughs> put a Claret and Blue bobble hat on then, Kev. Who would have... Ex- so I take it, David Moyes doesn't excite you. You can't Not believe it. Not at all. I can't So who it. would excite you if, well, if, if you were well, one of Well, apart from Brendan... West Ham faithful. Well, you know one of them, obviously, my, my man crush. Yeah. I'd bring him Marco Silva... Without question, I would definitely yeah. get him in. He would excite me in terms of the play. Because I think yeah, West Ham at the minute, you know, you, you've got that stadium there, nearly 60,000 people. They've got an amazing deal on it. Yes, they've got to stay up this year, of course. But that club, that is a big job. So I'd say Marco Silva, I'd say Brendan Rodgers. But, but do you think the board, with that appointment, do you think they're looking for a quick fix now? Or, you know, end of the season. If they really believed in what David Moyes could do, do you think they might go on? Well, here's a three year contract. There you go, get on with it. I don't know. So he's like, he, he's on to uh, he's he's to a win win really because if he keeps them up, yeah, they will get a longer contract out of it. So yeah. they've just sort of just chucked him a little carrot really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Go, come and see, come and see what we do. Like when Russell Slade come, you know, we're in, we're not we're struggling. Like there you go, you got it till the end of the season, done absolutely brilliant, and then gets another job out of it. So David Moyes is in in that position at the moment, isn't he? The carrot's been out there for him and he's, he thinks he can take it and, and produce. I wonder if he fails if he'll finally get off the list of management merry-go-rounds. That's, that's an interesting... How one. many failures do you think you can have, Bob? Exactly. That, it's no, got... no, no, but, 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 but there must be an optimum time where, 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 where fans 
because of the mass it, media. Paul Ince has had yeah. a few tough gigs, yeah. hasn't it? He yeah. seems to be off the radar at the yeah. moment, yeah. for example. I think a lot of them, the top managers, when you're in the Premier League, and then, like you say, it's, it could be running out for David Moyes because they'll either be a great success and keep him up, everybody, yep, the board will love him, yeah. get another job, and then he might go and fail the following year, and then he's back in the position he's in before. But some of them, like the likes of Ince, they might think, do I need this now? Do I really need this? You see, Ince, again, is probably one of the, 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 the first generation of the decent money, of the, of the really yeah. decent money. Mm. When Ravenelli came in and all, all their money went up overnight. So he's in that decent money. If he's invested it wisely... He'd probably one of the few would be a less popular appointment than David Moyes and, at West Ham. Yeah. And another, yeah. another, another <laughs> thing he was hated at West Ham, wasn't he? Was. he? Do you remember when he was at West Ham and he posed for the Daily Express in a Man United show? <laughs> another thing you've got to realise is, is that some of these managed, you say, like, unemployable, but they don't know anything else because they've been in football all their life. <laughs> Peter Taylor, right, you know, he's, he's been at Hull and he's been at Leicester and... And then you see him at Gillingham, and you see him here, and they don't know anything else. And that's no disrespect to them, but from my side of it as an assistant manager, I used to work in a furniture factory before I became a pro. So I know what the real world is about out there. So when I did pack up, I could go and do some window cleaning. Do you think Peter Taylor or, or, or Mickey? Chrissy Hewton could resurrect his lift engineering. <laughs> Whatever. Career, but yeah, no, it's sometimes yeah. it's, it's in them, that's all they know. Yeah. So they've got, they got to wait for a job. Whenever it might come yeah. round. So they could be out yeah. of it for a little bit of while. All of a sudden, Mickey Adams might get a phone call. He stops working in the Premier League and think, because that's his life. He's been a manager most of his life and a player. He might think there's still a job out there, but when's it going to come? So before all be unfairly, would a chairman think Tranmere Rovers might think rather than his success at Brighton, his success at, 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 at Brentford and at Fulham and at Leicester? Yeah. Will they think you're only as good as your last gig and his last gig is Tranmere Rovers so well if I was a chairman of, of a football club and I saw Mickey Adams CV I would say it ain't bad is it no it's superb it's superb when you have a look at when it when you have a look at it but you have to but then you think you know you he, wait he, up he got right. tucked up at Coventry I know I think he's a good man I, I would like to see him but I think Mark McGee is, you know, as well. You mentioned uh, Stevie Coppel. Yeah. I didn't think he was in work, but you say he's working in India. Working in India, yeah. Amazing, amazing. There's money in that Indian Premier League, isn't there? <laughs> On the subject... Gus Poirier there as well. Was Gus no, no, they, no they, they, Gus was in China. China, that was it. But he yeah. was in... Someone was saying when, when at the weekend that he had to stay in China while they sorted out his severance package. He couldn't leave the country right. because it was all still going on. But I, I think he's out now. On the subject of foreign football, we're obviously going to move on to this uh, foreign owners. Obviously, in the last 24 hours, the, the BBC have gone out on a limb um, and uh, and put this panorama out. They have been down that route before. Do you remember the panorama with the with the agents? Yeah, Alex when, Ferguson's son. Yeah, no, yeah. Kevin Bond and, and Sam Allardyce's mm. son. The hidden cameras and all that, yeah. But it all ended up with nothing, didn't it? It petered out, didn't no it? No one was ever, Although Kevin Bond never sued the BBC like he said he was going to. So six of one and half a dozen of the other. But obviously the, the main crux is this thing about these, these offshore things. But the, so what's your concern, Harty, if well, this I proves to I be just true? Don't, I don't... It's not a concern, but it's just... We don't really know what's going on. I mean, I've, I've got lots of Everton friends, you know, and, and they were raving about this Iranian bloke taking over and he was going to make them 
a top seven, well, they were a top seven club. They were going to push on, though. They were going to try and get in the Champions League. There was going to be this open checkbook for Ronald Koeman. And... Mm. But what happens if it's all actual Arsenal money and they're effectively Arsenal with a parent club without people knowing? Can you imagine what fans would feel if you like you, you, your owners own two football clubs? Well, do you remember that Anton Johnson, king of the clubs? Mm. He owned Southend, didn't he? And he owned Rotherham, and I think he owned one more. And then the then the uh, football league said that it couldn't happen. That was in the seventies, wasn't it? Well, if this is proven, surely they'd have to address it because you're not allowed to have an interest in more than one club, are you? But it's this is all very, it's all very. Um, well, I wouldn't say dodgy, but if he's gifting money to the person on the face of it to buy into Everton, but it's at, actually technically an unofficial loan. It's, it's very, very murky waters, messy, don't you think? It? Yeah, definitely, definitely messy. Very, very messy. You know, and, and, I, just, and, I just feel like, you know, like you said earlier, a lot of these clubs, the big premiership clubs, which these new owners have come in and got the Man City and taken over to another level and, uh, and Chelsea and things like that, some of the clubs need that input financial input otherwise they wouldn't be able to carry on so as much as probably the clubs you know or supporters don't think they need someone coming in and buying their club sometimes it's needed to keep the club going well you've got that helicopter ride that changed football haven't you Mm. Abramovich had agreed to buy Spurs he was flying back to London City Airport or or wherever went over Stamford Bridge and it was like the bloke from Little Britain I want that one yeah and uh, yeah. you know and and and, and basically he, he changed so he yeah. so he didn't buy Spurs he bought Chelsea so but what happens if, if it comes out that that his money isn't what it is or or he gets um, you know charged with something back in uh, Russia and uh, well, it's like that's the thing if owners start coming in and thinking about changing as from a supporter's point of view changing the colors or changing the nickname after all you know after the clubs most clubs have been going a hundred years now. Yeah. As a football fan, how would, you, how would you feel about that if they start coming in and? But conversely, do you know what? As well, I think it all comes down to success, doesn't it? Because I, I guarantee it, Cardiff or anywhere, as much as and the, you had all the thing at Hull, didn't you? As well, with a rename of the team and that you wanted to do. If you get success, hmm. fans will put it to one side, won't they? So even like this Everton Arsenal thing, if it. Came out whether if Everton were flying or if there was money being injected into the club and they were making big signings, they but, would give a yes, monkey's about whatever Arsenal but if into it's, it. But if it's then transpired as as we've said that if it's not within the rules, if it's you know because they all as a have fan, to do. You wouldn't care though, would you? Yeah, but would you if, care as a fan? yeah, but if you don't pass a fit and proper person test or, or yeah, whatever, yeah. or it is there are financial <clears throat> irregularities and they're going to come after you, I, I think it is going to be an issue. I mean, everybody I spoke to prior to last night about this, you know, Iranian, Derek Steele, my, uh, my mate in Worthing, big Everson fan, this is going to be brilliant. I, I remember going out with him last December, he's saying, oh, it's going to be brilliant, Ken Wright's done the right thing, he's he's sold out to a, someone that's got real money and, you know, Bill Ken Wright's going to be there, but they've got ambition and, and this and that. Well, if it's all built on a house of cards, mm-hmm. where do you end up? This is where we we, uh, we go back to good old traditional football. Burnley, as we spoke about last week, Kev, mm. a board full of Lancastrians. Every Burnley director was born in Lancashire, so it's a, so it is still owned 
as it was back in the day with Bob Lord and you know Bright and Hove Albion. All right, not all the directors are born in Sussex, but they're all English. You know, they're all British. And that showed what it, a it is a British-owned club. What a breath of fresh air that was yeah. when they went down and they stuck with the manager. Burnley first. Think, yeah. First thing would have happened in any other club. The manager would have gone. And, and I think with. if Dyche, you, you say about the the one thing Kev about fans putting things apart. I bet Dyche has looked at the last twenty four hours. And if he had any thoughts about going to Everton, I bet he's thought, no, no, yeah. I, I'm going to stay at Burnley. Mm. Don't you think? Well, it depends how ambitious he is, doesn't it, really? Yeah, but would you go, and, if you know who you're working for, and you've got, you know, and we've said it, uh, uh, again, they're the 16th richest club in the world. Bit of law, he's they coming to it as well, bit of law. They were loyal with him when, when yeah. you... you you can't money can't mean that much no. to But he's also at a moment like Sean Dyche, especially with the win in the in the weekend, what are they like? Sixth Burnley, yeah. seventh maybe, sixth or seventh. If, yeah, seventh, yeah. right. He's not he can't do any more than he's done with Burnley. So timing, imagine the timing. You you've not only you've gone out on a win, you've gone out leaving Burnley in seventh place in the Premier League. And the thing is, he's not a fashionable manager. Back to I think he's not in this list of unemployable who's going to be yeah. forgotten. Definitely not. But he's not a fashionable manager. But can't and Everton is like a, a big, big job. Can't Burnley do a Leicester? I think. I don't think. Or any, do you think Leicester is a one-off? I don't, do you think think I don't think anyone's going to go and do a Leicester. To be honest, I think. I think he could get close if he, you know. I think he's, you know, let's face it. He's not probably chasing a pound note, is he? No. So, like you said, does he? You know, if he's going to Everton. At the moment, he probably, if he was going there, he'd probably think that he's in it for the money. I don't know, but he doesn't need it. He probably don't need I it. So why shouldn't he, why shouldn't he stay at Burnley and get Everton's the job done? A huge. Look at the history of Everton Football Club. Yeah, this is like they even said it about Allardyce the other day. You know, saying what well, you look at who Allardyce has managed. Right, he was at Newcastle, but not for long. But even for him, it's an attraction. It's because of who Everton are and what their history is. And Dyche, yeah, is it or does Dyche Sam? Does Big Sam just want to just want to get back in football? Yeah, is is he thinking Everton Football Club? Oh, for me, I probably think Sam Allardyce is thinking, oh, I could get back in. At the moment, I was sitting on Match of Day Saturday night. I could be Everton manager on by Thursday. I like the I way they made him do his shirt. I could be on Match of the Day. Did you notice that he was exposing the medallion? Yeah. And then the, next, yeah. the next shot, it all done up again. Yeah. Somewhere yeah, it was hell of a shirt, that, wasn't it? It was hell of a shirt. That was. And he didn't touch anybody's knee, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no. so, Big Sam. No, so that this will be an interesting one. I think this Everton thing that could mm. that could run and run. And what a man, what happens if if it is financial financially irregular, and they and they say to to uh, this reigning bloke, you can't do it. So then you know then what happens? It just opens up a whole mm. can of worms. We're gonna have to watch with interest, aren't we? We certainly watch are. With interest. We certainly so, are. So Bob, we're on to our uh, wrap up of yeah. uh, super cool. Versus Major Tall in terms of your nomination. So we're going to start with uh, Super Cool. So, so, so Bob, for you, over this past week, who's your Super Cool nomination? Well, I, I was up at Sheffield for the weekend promoting the book, the U.R. Bob Booker story, <laughs> written by Greville Waterman. Thought I'd get that in. I was up there promoting it, and uh, we'd done a couple of signing sessions in, in WH Smith's and in the club shop, uh, and I was lucky enough to watch the game. And, and they won for one. But for me, Chrissy Wilder, the manager, was super cool because when I spoke to him afterwards when we was having a drink, they was 1-0 down at half-time. Not playing particularly well, but he obviously got into them at half-time. And his team talk, he told me, was, listen, you're just about getting there, but not quite. Let's just up it a little bit. If you get one, we'll win 4-1. 
and that's what exactly what they went and done. So he must have been having a, a large cigar on at the end of the yeah. evening, <laughs> having done that masterclass of a team talk, and they come out and they just steamrolled in the second half. So he was Mr. Cool for me on, on Saturday, <laughs> Chrissy Wilder, the way he just went around his business. So, yeah, Chrissy Wilder for me. How about you, Hartsey? Well, so there's, there's a number of candidates. Obviously, the, the, the third-choice Tottenham keeper coming in and um, getting, a, getting a clean sheet, albeit against Crystal Palace. Um, I have to say, sort of patriotically, um, I was pleased to see that Gareth Southgate's latest England squad had 16 players that had played in the Champions League last, last week. Which I think is really yeah. good because That's a good stat. He missed out on his stats the other week. He's yeah, come no. back with well, that, you know, sixteen players because we always had the thing. Old Chelsea only had one, and so and so had. So I, I'm going to go without. I think to 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 now have sixteen England squad players mm. playing in the Champions League shows that we are moving in the right direction. I think it's a good okay. shout, and I think well, you know Southgate. I keep dropping this in. Yeah. And I think this man's going to do well for England. Well, I'm convinced so. of it. Convinced yeah. of it. Mine is, and I know you you might accuse me of being a bit parochial with this one, but yeah. I don't normally you know nominate Liverpool or Brighton. Yeah. But in this instance, I've got to say Mo Salah, seven goals in eleven Premier League games. Four in four in the Champions League. So that's eleven in fifteen from midfield in his first season. I mean, that he's got to be the signing of the oh, summer yeah. so far. Yeah. I mean, absolutely uh, astonishing uh, performance. So I think, yeah, he he was mine. Maybe giving just ahead of Everton's uh, comeback from two 0 down yeah. with twenty minutes to go. That was yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, the two biggies really. But uh, and how about Hardy for you in terms of major tool then? Well, major, major tool. I'm unfortunately, and I, I, I don't wish to offend anybody, but I've, I, I do have to use this verbatim. Um, I was in the pub yesterday after after Sunday football, and um, there was a there was a West Ham fan there who'd been to the Olympic Stadium on uh, Saturday, and I think he left on about sixty six minutes, and. Uh, <laughs> He said, "So it was bad enough losing to Liverpool at home and having to leave with you know with twenty minutes left, and then I found out that the shirtlifters won at Swansea, and I said, Ooh. well, that's a little bit harsh.' I said, we may be, we may have a large gay community in Brighton, but I tell you one thing: we do, we watch our team for ninety minutes, win, lose, or draw. Yeah, great one. Yeah. So and they yeah, were queuing. Uh, apparently, they were queuing up. They, to get out, they were they? queuing up to get out there. I mean, it was like like, like when we played them. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, no. You know, it's uh, the good news is it's always a, it's always a nice quick journey home, isn't it? Because there's the staggered exit of yeah. all the supporters. <laughs> you get out of the ground super quick. But yeah, no, it's not. I mean, mine was Patrice. Evra with this, uh, oh, this whole Cantor, incident, this Cantona thing, this yeah. Cantona thing, and the, uh, the, the Marseille fans. Are, well, they've been saying, aren't they? No, no longer welcome at the club. You know, there's been banners put up, isn't there? Trying to trying to get him out of there. Aimed to kick at his head, I think, didn't he? <laughs> ahead of the uh, Europa League game they had in, uh, in in Portugal, they're also saying, I think he aimed to punch at him as well. I mean, I don't know. Was it one of his own? On was there? it one of his own fans? Yeah, he's one of the. Yeah, it's a Marseille supporter. Yeah, so. This is what is. Uh, yeah, un- unbelievable. Crazy. So yeah, Patrice yeah. Uh, ever for me. And how about you, Bob? Your major tool. Well, I've just been listening to Talk Sport all day, and like we do a lot of the time, and I'm just sort of picking up on the Joey Barton thing again. You know, and <laughs> Simon Jordan came on the other day and was absolutely. I, I didn't think I liked Simon Jordan, but I've met him a couple of times, and I I thought he was a bit airy dash, but he come over absolutely brilliant. 
and sort of really got into Joey Barton. And Joey Barton, for what he is, you know, and, and what he said about the, the Unsworth situation, which I thought was totally out of order. And for Unsworth to be at that game, probably at half-time when they were 2-0 down and Joey Barton was probably at home saying, I told you so. He's nothing but a t- uh, uh, overrated school teacher. And for them to come back and then players did what they did for, for Unsworth on Saturday and get that result... I just wonder what Joey was thinking by the end of the day when he got on the radio this morning. So, fair play to David Unsworth. You know, he's a, he's a passionate lad about his football club. Uh, and, you know, long may it continue. So, he goes. So, Joey Barton won last week. So, he's a, two, so he's a two-time major top winner. So, there, there we go. Well, that's it. Bob, thank you very much. All no, the best great. with the book. Yep. I think you got um, I think you got a Q&A with Mickey. He's also got a book out. 17th of November. Yep, 17th of November um, down, down, at, down at the Amex. So, uh, the books are beyond sale, yeah. and uh, me and Mickey are going to be down there reliving some of the stories uh, that are in my book and in his book, no doubt. So uh, that should make for an interesting evening. Get yourself down there. It should be a good night. Get a pint, a pint. I think it's a tenner. We can sell a few books if we have to, because, uh, you know, it's not going to make us millionaires, but it might make Mickey one. It won't make me one. But uh, If it's, it's good enough for Doctor Who, it's good enough for absolutely. you. So and enjoy, enjoy your read when you're sitting on that, uh, in first class, by the way, <laughs> in your bed reading my book. Good stuff. Cheers, guys. Take Thank care. You. Cheers.